Welcome to this week's episode of Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. To rehash last week on Fast Friday, we gave out three winners. Doug O'Neill came on, gave out Lazy Daisy in the first race at Del Mar. I gave out McKenzie in the Whitney at Saratoga. And I gave out Bo Recall in the Yellow Ribbon at Del Mar. That's four winners we've given out since the start of our show. We've got a great lineup of interviews this week on Odds and Ends, starting with offensive coordinator Todd Munkin of the Cleveland Browns, where he's going to talk about that explosive offense for the 2019 season. Next, we'll have up Bobby Johnson, the new offensive line coach of the Buffalo Bills. Four of their five linemen will change this year, and let's hear how they're going to do it. Todd Downing, the tight end coach of the Tennessee Titans. Delaney Walker is back after a year of injury. That'll be exciting for the Tennessee Titans. Let's hear what Todd has to say about that and other things. And we'll finish up our interviews this week with jockey's agent Brad Pegram, who's the jock's agent for Hall of Famer Mikey Smith, who won the Whitney at Saratoga this last weekend on McKinsey, and up-and-coming star at Del Mar, Drayden Van Dyke, who won the Yellow Ribbon Stakes at Del Mar this past weekend. Make sure you follow us on Odds and Ends and look out for Fast Fridays when we give out our thoroughbred picks for the weekend. I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the weather is clear, can do, can do. This guy says the horse can do, if he says the horse can do. Welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. My next guest is offensive coordinator Todd Munkin of the Cleveland Browns. Todd, how's camp going for you guys at this point? It's been great, Mike. Uh, yesterday we finished up uh, practice number nine with a little uh, mock scrimmage at the stadium. So uh, now we get into, as you well know, these next four weeks it, it flies by because you got a game, you know, it's, at the end of every week. So it's good. Yeah, those weeks become shorter. You have that mandatory day off. You have the games. You're really your your crux of your big heavy practices. Your heavy lifting has been done at this point, as you well know. I want I want to talk about a couple guys you brought in. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. obviously has gotten a lot of public to pair him with Jarvis Landry. That's a, a dynamic group uh, of just with those two guys, and then. You have some younger guys. Talk about the combination of Baker Mayfield and those two guys, OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Well, let's start with uh, with Odell. Uh, he's been tremendous. You know, I I've really never been around him before. Forget his just physical talent. He's a smart player. He's an instinctive player. Tremendous with the ball in his hands, and really just wants to wants to be involved in the offense. Uh, has been great. Um, and really works harder than, than you would you would think. I mean, you know, for a guy that's uh, you know that gets as much publicity as he gets. I mean, he works hard in practice. He uh, he pays attention in meetings. He wants to continue to be a great player. And then, you know, with Jarvis, Jarvis is a little bit more of a grinder, tough guy. Uh, does all the dirty work, uh, makes the tough catches, and uh, and again, to me, they're a really nice complement. Um, and I think it's been good. You know, Baker is uh, he's not afraid to own it when he makes a mistake. He's not afraid to call guys out when uh, when they're not on point. Then pair that up with Antonio Callaway, who a year ago the Browns had drafted out of Florida, really explosive young player that's still learning how to play the position. He's more of an athlete that, that can run, uh, but he's, he's definitely learning how to play the position. And those three guys, 
give us a chance to really have uh, three guys who can go 11 personnel that, that can create problems. And, of course, when Todd alludes to 11 personnel, for all you listeners out there, he's talking about three wide receivers, one back and one tight end on the field at the same time. A couple of other guys I wanted to bring up uh, wide receiver-wise are Rashard Higgins and Derek Willies. I've read they've made a few plays in camp. Uh, touch on those guys briefly, Todd. Well, again, let's start with Derek Willies, a young player, came out of Texas Tech, a physical, big-body guy that is just learning how to use his size. You know, he's going to make plays. He doesn't have the same body quickness as uh, some of the smaller players, but learning how to release-wise, uh, you're not a you're not an athletic skill guy. You're a big, powerful wideout, so utilize that and create opportunities by ball skills and by ball placement. Um, he's getting better in that regard, and Richard's a guy that I think is going into his fourth year on Colorado State. He's kind of a jack-of-all trades. He can play all three positions inside and out. It really gives you consistency. And, you know, it's one of those guys where he's, his value is consistency more than you know, top-end probably skill set, but much more in terms of consistency and learning all the spots. That's nice to have that depth. Is he a special teams player too as well, Todd? He's played some outside. He's, he's not really one of those middleweight guys, even yeah. though his height would say he's, he's under 200 pounds. So I know he's played a little bit of gunner, hasn't really been a return guy. So that's been the tough part is, you know, is that, that, uh, that lightweight body, but he's not a returner. Right. So you, let's move the running backs. Nick Chubb uh, is, is your guy, I'm assuming. Then I'm reading about two other guys, uh, Dontrell Hilliard and Dearness Johnson. Tell, is that the group that you're going in with, those three guys? Are those the top three running backs you guys have this year? Well, from the, at the start, it'll, you know, you got Duke Johnson is still with us. I know, he, you know he, he's been through some issues trying to demand a trade, and, and at this point we're sitting tight with him, and Kareem Hunt, will be with us after eight games. So they're, they're here. In a perfect world, you know, you've got Nick, who really is a first and second down back and a third down protection back, a one-cut guy downhill, really has better speed than, than I thought he had. And then once we get Kareem Hunt back, but that's not going to be for eight games, now you've got a guy that showed his, his value, his versatility with, with Kansas City. Duke Johnson has been very productive here. And then the fourth guy, and you mentioned Dontrell Hilliard, a free agent out of Tulane, really does some nice things receiving-wise, still learning, um, NFL-wise, getting downhill. But he's right now probably more of a third-down space back. And then uh, Darius Johnson, a, a guy that's, uh, that we're taking a look at, but probably in that order, when healthy, uh, we have a chance to be special at running back with you know Kareem Hunt joining us and uh, you know Duke Johnson's all in. I like uh, all the moves you guys have made. I've liked the guys that you brought in. I like the explosiveness and the possibility of explosiveness. But we all know everything starts up front. Uh, didn't make a lot of moves up front. Made a couple. Uh, so you drafted one uh, O-lineman late in the draft. Tell me how the O-line's looking at this point, and tell me what type or tell us what type of depth you guys have. Well, it's a work in progress. You know, we traded uh, Zeitler. Uh, before the year for Olivier Vernon. So we gave up a, a right guard that's an established player uh, to get better on the defensive front. And so competing at right guard, you've got uh, Corbett, Cush. That's really where our number one competition would be, would be at right guard. Once uh, we traded Zeitler, 
uh, feel good about J.C. Treader at center and, uh, and, you know, and Joel at left guard. And, you know, Greg Robinson's kind of had a little bit of a resurgence for his career at left tackle uh, coming in last year, really a no-guaranteed contract and played, played well the back half of the year. And then Chris Hubbard, who they signed uh, a year or two ago out of uh, Pittsburgh, um, to play right tackle. So feel real good about it, but we do have work to do, Mike, uh, in terms of developing depth and finding a right guard. Well, that's fun. That's those, those training camp battles are always the good ones because now you get the pads on. Some guy's going to step up that maybe didn't look so great in shorts, in underwear, as we say. Put the pads on. He jumps up and jumps up at you. And now, you know, woo, we found ourselves a little ruby there. Drew Stanton, uh, Michigan State 12-year player. He's got to be a big help to Baker Mayfield, help him in his uh, growth as a quarterback. Let's let's finish with a little bit of Drew Stanton and what he's brought to the table for Baker Mayfield. Well, you're exactly right, Mike. First of all, very intelligent player. Been in this offense, which, you know, we're building it um, with Freddie starting off here and then a whole new staff, so we're building it to be the Browns offense, but it has a background you know, from the Arizona Cardinals and Bruce Arians. So there's a background that he understands uh, the system and also just years of, you know, experience similar to when we were in Tampa with Ryan Fitzpatrick and what they could bring to the table. Uh, and I think Baker's very receptive to that. Sometimes guys aren't as receptive. They think they have all the answers and Baker's not wired that way. He loves feedback. He loves uh, being coached and being held to a high standard and loves um, when Drew's able to give him that feedback. And, you know, he's also a guy that's invaluable for us. It's I can't count the number of times I thought he brought up something to us, something in the past they had done or thought here or there that, you know, that makes makes us better, makes us better in terms of how he sees it, how the quarterbacks would see it, and allows us to kind of continue to push forward collectively and empower the quarterbacks because, as you well know, you have a much better chance when the quarterback feels empowered, when he feels like he's in control. You give him the guidelines, you give him, you know, the path, but but they have to go out there and play, and Drew's a big part of that. Todd, that sounds like you guys are moving in the in the right direction. I'm I'm really looking forward to watching the Browns this year. Uh, enjoy the dog pound. Enjoy Cleveland, a great town. Great fans. Uh, have a great rest of your training camp. We'll stay in touch as the season progresses. Stay healthy and uh, finish up strong. And get a throat lozenge, would you? I will, Mike. Thank you. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. My next guest on Odds and Ends with Mike Tice is offensive line coach from the Buffalo Bills, Bobby Johnson. Bobby, how's camp going for you guys? And welcome on to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Big Mike. Camp's going well. You know, it's a, we're at that point where there's some bumps and bruises and aches and pains, but I think as a whole we're, we're, we're doing pretty good and we're progressing the right way. Well, you know, looking at the, the numbers from last year in 2018, the offensive line gave up. 41 sacks was certainly not the most in the National Football League, but it certainly was not the least. And now it looks like with the offseason moves you've made and some of the shuffling around you're doing, you could potentially be 10 to 11 guys deep there, which, as you know, is really good with any types of injuries you can get. 
Could you take me through for our fans from left tackle to right tackle after the first week of camp, who you have plugged in with the number ones, and then maybe segue into your top backups right now? Gotcha. Well, right now starting off at left tackle, and uh, young man that started last year, Deion Dawkins, um, had a really good rookie year two years ago. Last year kind of tailed off. Um, this year uh, from all-season program kind of picked up back where he was his rookie year. A really athletic kid, really powerful and explosive kid, um, but he's having a good training camp thus far, and he's been running uh, strictly with the ones. At left guard, uh, one of our free agent pickups, one of our later free agent pickups, Quinn Spain, who we got from the Tennessee Titans, uh, has been a, a wonderful surprise. Obviously, like I said, he's one of the last free agents we got in our kind of our free agent hall. And he's been a great addition in the locker room, in the classroom, and on the field. He's a big, powerful man, um, but he's also one of the sharpest guys I've been around in a long time. So uh, he's been he's been a pleasant surprise uh, at center. Uh, running with the ones has been Mitch Morris. You know, unfortunately, Mitch was Mitch was not unfortunate, but Mitch was one of our top free agent acquisitions. But he's been dealing with a couple uh, nagging injuries. But he's been, he was with the ones in the tip before those. Um, since then, Russ Bodine, last year's starter, has stepped into that spot, um, competing with some other guys. And most of his competition has been guys that are also playing right guard. Um, the right guard spot has probably been the most uh, competition between John Feliciano, a young man you're really uh, familiar with, um, and Spencer Long. Uh, both of those guys have been sharing reps at right guard, but also uh, they're competing for who would be the backup center. So we've got a nice, interesting competition going on at backup center and right guard between those three guys of Russ Bodine, John Policiano, and Spencer Long. Excellent. And then our other competition has been at right tackle. Uh, the rookie Cody Ford out of Oklahoma has been doing a really, really good job. Uh, he's getting better every day. Uh, and Ty Naseki, who was a swing tackle and for the Redskins, who has come in, and he's a physically imposing uh, man. Um, and those two guys are, are competing for the starting right tackle job. That's a good group of players right there. It looks like to me, in writing this down, it could potentially be three free agent starters and a rookie, and then uh, Dawkins coming back from last year as a starter. And from what the things I've read, it looks like the group is starting to gel, showing a little bit of toughness and uh, togetherness, which, as you know, that is the big thing for the offensive line. It always tends to be the closest group on the team. Yeah, and it's it's funny that we have so many new guys, yet when you're in the classroom with them or if you're in the dining hall with them, you think this group's been together for a while the way they, you know, with the way they interact, you know, especially the practical joking and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I got a good group of guys, and that was kind of the thing that when the front office set off to get some some free agents, they look for the right type of guys. So um, it's been good. It, like I said, they're starting to gel, uh, especially on the left side. We're starting to get some continuity. Uh, Dion and Quentin are really you know, working together well, communicating really well together. Um, but as a whole, we are developing our identity. We're trending the right way of being physical, being mentally tough and physically tough. And uh, 
like I said, the guys come to work every day. I got a good group of guys. Well, head coach Sean McDermott has done. Sean McDermott has done a great job there in his first couple of years. Brian Dable is it Dable is the offensive coordinator? Dable and uh, reading good things about his philosophies and what he's trying to accomplish. Running the football. You have a young quarterback in Josh Allen, his second year, ran around for his life a little bit last year, not really uh, ready to be a drop-back quarterback that checks it down and plays efficient football. But it sounds like he's moving in the right direction with some great protection from your group and the tight ends and the running backs. It sounds like you guys can run the football and then be able to throw it efficiently. Is that what you guys are looking for this year? Yeah, I mean – biggest thing that we've been preaching since the offseason program is doing things offensively that keep you ahead of the chains um, and playing smart football and not hurting yourself. So eliminating pre-snap penalties, making sure you know you get this quarter, center quarterback exchange, um, that you get efficient plays, whether it be run or pass on first down, that, you know, hey, second down is kind of where you're in the green and you got to, you know, everything at your disposal. And then, you know, worst case scenario, you're third and in short, which your percentages are really high of converting. Um, the philosophy has been really good. You see the players not just understanding, but you, know, that you see them displaying the things that were asked of it. It all starts with the quarterback. The kid is great kid to be around. He is a gym rat. He is smart as a whip. He's soaking everything in. He understands all those situations that quarterbacks in this league need to just like know inside and out. Um, he has a exuberant leadership about him where the guys will follow him. He is not afraid of competition. I mean, it, I've been around a couple guys that I thought were really good and were really good, and I was around Ben Roethlisberger when he was in college, and this kid is is reminds me of him of just the confidence and the excitement and all the talent in the world. Uh, this kid runs around a little bit more. You know, he, he's got some feet on him, but I think he's got the potential to be really special football player that sound that's good i mean you got a young talent like that and if you can keep keep him upright give him a chance to use his athleticism get him get the ball down the field that'll be exciting for you guys just one one more thing i want to touch on briefly is the running game who's going to be toting a rock for you guys you have a couple guys back there a couple guys that have some NFL experience, and one guy in particular has a lot of NFL experience. Yeah. How, yeah. How's, well, how's that going right a, now, Bob? Bobby? Well, I tell you what, they're, they're competitive guys, and, you know, LaShawn has been the guy here for, you know, the last couple of years. And, and we're talking about LaShawn you know, McCoy. Sorry about that. I want to make sure the fans know who we're talking about. LaShawn yeah, McCoy. Sorry about yeah, that. no, LaShawn that's okay. has been the guy. But then we go in and bring a guy in like Frank Gore, who I think a lot of people may not realize, but. Frank's like the fourth leading rusher in the NFL history. So you got two guys, just two guys like that, competing daily, um, basically fighting to get a, you know, their reps and then some. Um, right now it's neck and neck. And but the thing about that is there's even young guys behind them. There's a TJ Yeldon who has been really impressive in camp. Um, there's a young kid, uh, nicknamed Motor, you know, Motor Singletary, who we drafted in the third round. That, has been doing some outstanding things. So, I mean, the big thing in this camp so far, Big Mike, is the fact that there's so much competition going on that it's it's only making us better. Guys are performing at a high level every rep because they they don't know if that rep's going to be the deciding factor whether they win the job or not. So they're trying to put their best foot forward. So 
uh, I'm excited. This is the most fun I've had in a long time. Um, I just, I, I'm like a kid in the case for man. I can't wait to get to practice because the guys are chomping at the bit to, to compete and to work. Well, I, I really like where you guys are heading. And, of course, I've said this once in the earlier show that the Buffalo Bills can go a long way if the offensive line can protect Josh Allen and let him make plays. And I know working with you, Bobby, in Oakland, that you're going to do the right things to make sure that kid stays upright. You're going to get that running game going. You guys open with the Jets at New York, actually yep. at New Jersey. And then you come back and go back down there again two weeks in a row. So there'll be some familiarity because your second game is down there against the Giants. Yep. So you're not yep. you're not leaving the state of New York much the first couple of weeks, which is a good thing. No. I think that's a good thing. But defense, you know, we know that in 2018 we're second in the league in, in yards surrendered. Offense has a ways to go. Sounds like you guys are moving in the right direction. I know you're busy. I know you're right in the middle of training camp. I want to say hi to the girls for me and – Thanks for coming on the show, and thanks for taking the time out of your camp, uh, busy camp, and I will touch base with you uh, down the road. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Big Mike, and uh, tell your family I said hello, too. All right, man. Be good, Bobby. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. My next guest is the tight end coach for the Tennessee Titans, a good friend of mine for many years, Todd Downing. Todd, how's camp going, my man? Camp is going excellent. Thanks so much for having me on. It's great to talk to you. Oh, it is. It's wonderful to hear your voice and uh, get a chance to catch up. And I want to ask you about this large group of tight ends you have. Uh, uh, You told me that you had seven tight ends in camp. Why don't you take me through a couple of the guys, some things that stand out? And I know you have a great story about a young kid from Iowa, too. Absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a great group. I'm very fortunate to have uh, such a stable of tight ends to work with. You know, it's always fun to have a, a plethora of talent. As, as you once taught me at a young age, it's uh, better to say yes to good talent than no and, and try to keep your numbers too low. So uh, exciting group to work with, you know, Delaney Walker certainly is the, uh, you know, uh, lead horse in the pack. And, you know, going into his 14th season, coming off of an injury last year, finished the year on IR last year, and we've been easing him back into things into the off season. but uh, is having a great camp. You know, came back to camp in great shape and a wonderful leader, uh, certainly a talented player, but beyond that, uh, just a really talented football mind. You know, a pleasure to work with and talk through the game with. Uh, and hearing his experiences over his 14-year career, you know, it's uh, it's it's fun to watch him work and watch him uh, diagnose defenses and so on. So he's been a blast. And then, uh, you know, got a whole bunch of other guys, uh, you know, that, that all bring uh, fun attributes to the table. One of the guys that is in the room with me is Johnny Smith, a kid out of Florida International from uh, a few years ago. And is really maturing into a great player. Again, was banged up. You know, was the mash unit uh, as a tight end room last year. He finished the season on IR as well. Uh, but he is fighting tooth and nail to get back and uh, and really doing a nice job in the classroom. You know, a guy that's just fun to uh, sit with and spend time with because he's such a sponge. You know, he wants to know. He's hungry for knowledge. He's hungry to grow. Uh, you know, and those those guys are really some highlights uh, of the room. Certainly bunch of guys in there i'd be remiss if i didn't mention them all because they all work so hard you know michael pruitt 
you know, as a, a guy that's bounced around on a couple different teams, but it's working hard to stick here and show that he is a, a well-rounded tight end in this league. And Anthony Ferkser, a kid out of Harvard, that uh, you know, certainly a, a weapon in the passing game, but a gritty, tough guy that uh, wants to show that he can handle himself in the run game and in protections as well. Uh, we got Ryan Hewitt, guy that's played some fullback in this league for a number of years, uh, some, some move tight end stuff in Cincinnati and Indianapolis as well. You know, he's a, a jack of all trades type guy. We've got uh, Cole Wick, who was with San Francisco and. Uh, last year before I got here, they took him off of San Francisco's practice squad, real hardworking guy, uh, big, big guy, you know, 6'6", six, six, long arms, uh, you know, guy that can get into the line of scrimmage and do some damage. And then the fun uh, fun project, as you mentioned, is a guy named Parker Hesse. And the story behind that is, you know, I went down to the Iowa Pro Day uh, to work out the two first-rounders they had, you know, T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant. And uh, there was this guy – you know, well put together guy that they kept talking about playing defensive end and how he was, you know, part of the salt and, uh, and, uh, the earth of the team and leader and smart guy and all that, but he's a defensive end. And I thought, well, I need somebody to hold these bags so these first round tight ends don't just, uh, knock me over and, and put me on tape. So I asked him if he'd want to jump into the tight end drills, told him if he held the bags for the first two that, uh, he could get the third rep and, he just took to it and wanted to show everybody that he was a professional caliber athlete and an NFL type player. Well, fast forward a few months, you know, we get to rookie camp and we need a tight end, a tryout tight end. And so I called him up and I said, Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I had you jump in the tight end drills and, you know, would love to give you an opportunity to come in and show that you're an NFL player. And, and now uh, he's, he and now he's yours, right? Now he's yours, right? <laughs> Yeah, now he's mine. So <laughs> he took great. that opportunity and ran with it. Oh, that's good though. That's that. Those are the great stories. And how about Cole Wick out of Incarnate Word? Is that how you say it? Incarnate Word out of Texas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's the first. I found this out the other day. He is the first NFL player from Incarnate Word. So he's uh, he's very proud of that title. Should uh, be a you know, long guy. He, he's yeah. uh, you know he's he's got that frame that. You know, you, you probably design on Madden. These kids on the video games today are probably designing players like him. He's, you know, the prototypical uh, inline wide looking guy and, you know, growing every single day, uh, gets better in his techniques every single day. He's another kid that just loves football. He's hungry for coaching. Uh, couldn't ask for anything more out of this kid. He's a, a great kid to be around. And then you got a Harvard and a Stanford guy, so you got some smart guys in that room. How about uh, as far as ahead of what? Is the running game ahead of the passing game right now? Is the passing game ahead of the run game? And give me one wide receiver that uh, is standing out for all of our fantasy football listeners out there. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether I'd put uh, the run game ahead of the pass game or the pass game ahead of the run game. I think it. You know, as you know, you get to this point in camp, and it, that could be day by day, yep. you know. So uh, I know that we're working real hard to to uh, get it all rolling, and I think that we've done a, you know, a nice job of, uh, of you know, committing time to, to both. So it's exciting to see how this thing's uh, coming together. As far as the wide receiver room, you, you and I both uh, know Rob Moore and, and what a good coach he is. You know, he's doing a nice job with all these guys, and, uh, he, he's he's got the the young buck AJ Brown the 
the second rounder, you know, that uh, that's working real, real hard. And excited to see what he can do as uh, as the lights start to come on. So we'll see see what he can contribute. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to have to come back and visit with Rob here in a couple of weeks so I can keep my eye on uh, on you guys. I think you guys are going to have a good football team this year. I like I like some of the moves you made in the offseason, and I like the coaching staff, of course. And uh, I think your head man is going to do a great job, and he's got a year under his belt, and I think that second year is always good. And, and I'm looking forward to watching you guys. Hopefully we'll be explosive on offense, and uh, I know on defense they're going to be able to shut some people down. So uh, I appreciate it. I'm I'm excited about it as well. And we got leadership like we do with uh, Coach Brabel and and uh, John Robinson, our GM. You know, they're uh, they're the ones steering the the ship, and everybody's following their lead, which is the the right direction. That's for sure. Well, I think uh, you told me you had a night practice last night, and I know you probably want to get a little rest. And I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Say hi to the fam, family for me, and uh, stay healthy and have fun the rest of the camp and. Uh, Looking forward to watching you guys this week. Thanks for coming I on, I appreciate Todd. it. Thanks for having me on. All right, Todd. Have a great one. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Can do. Can do. This guy says the horse can do. If he says the horse can do. Can My next guest on Odds and Ends with Mike Tice is jockey's agent Brad Pagram. And Brad has the great job of having two hot jockeys, one in Hall of Famer Mikey Smith, who won the Grade 1 Whitney at Saratoga this past weekend, and Drayden Van Dyke, who won the Grade 2 Yellow Ribbon Stakes at Del Mar this past weekend also, on a horse named Bo Recall. And let me tell you, what a great ride by Drayden to come up the rail. The great McKenzie, who won the Whitney for actually his uncle, Mike Pegram, and his partners at Saratoga. Brad, welcome to the show. How's everything going there? Everything's going great, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, and I want I want to educate my fans about, you know, how how you find out what horses you're riding. Is it is it as simple as you going to the barn of the trainer and knocking on the door and saying, "Hey, I have Mikey Smith, I have Drayden Van Dyke. You have any horses for me?" Or is it a combination of the trainer gets on the phone, calls you, texts you, and says, "Hey, I got a horse for you." Could you go through that for the fans? Sure. Well, it's a combination of both. Uh, first, to start off, where you can understand the best is. We have a, a condition book that uh, comes out pretty much every two to three weeks that lists all the um, upcoming races. So we will uh, we'll get that condition book, and uh, uh, that'll have all the races that the the tracks are offering. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, sometimes I'll stop into a barn and uh, check on a certain horse, or um, you know, a lot of times someone will reach out to me about a certain race um so it's a little bit of both uh sometimes i'm called and and uh sometimes it's something that i'm i'm going after uh with somebody like mike where he's riding a lot of good horses all over the country a lot of times that uh i'm being reached out for reached out to for him whether it's to ride in new york or here and that's done a little bit more in advance um, so I would say it's probably 50-50 as far as if I'm uh, going to, to a trainer or they're reaching out to me. And then when you have a jockey that's hot like Drayden is, uh, it's a lot easier to knock on the door at a barn and say, hey, uh, I have Drayden. You, got, you probably don't have to say, walk in and say that. They all know who you have. But it's a lot easier to walk in and say, you got anything for me? You got anything for the kid? 
and then it is when you oh. don't when you don't have a hot jockey or your jockey's not riding too well. Oh, absolutely! It's always easier to walk into a barn and and go after horses when they've won two or three the previous day, or or uh, you know seven or eight races that week. So when they're riding hot, absolutely, is it always easier to get on horses? Well, say let's take a guy like Mikey Smith. Uh, he travels all over the country riding in these Grade Ones, Grade Twos, Grade Threes. He goes back to Saratoga last weekend, rides a horse for your uncle McKenzie, probably the best uh, handicap horse in the country right now, I think, and uh, should be uh, really rolling for the Breeders' Cup. But uh, how does that work? Do, do the owners pay for his flights? Do you, does Mikey have to foot the bill for that? Is it a combination? Do they fly in first class? I mean, what's the deal? Normally, Mike will always fly first class. And for the most part, the, the owners are, are paying the bill. Uh, we'll get the airline ticket and then, and then bill, bill out the expense of the travel. Um, a lot of times it's good if, he, if it's a day where he's got other stake races to ride, um, and that bill will get divided up, whether it's half or, or uh, in threes or fours or, or however you want to do it. Um, but, yeah, usually the owner uh, always pays the travel expense with the first-class ticket. So it's almost like you have to have an office. You have to have a secretary or you have to have a, 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 a travel agent on top of everything when you're dealing with these top jockeys to keep things in order. You have to have a staff. And, and how does that work? Well, Mike uses a travel agent named Terry Gee, and, and she does a great job. Uh, she handles a lot of stuff for Mike. Um, but everything goes through her office on the on the travel. As, as Drayden as well. Drayden, uh, we use the same person with Drayden. Um, so she'll arrange all the flights, and then I just give her the uh, the addresses uh, to send the billing, and, and she takes care of it from there. What about yourself? What What about you? Do Do they uh, offer to bring you into some of these bigger races, or if you go, is it is it on your own? I know once in a while you head if, out to the Derby, and sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. If I go, it's on my own. I, I wouldn't bill out my, my travel. Um, it's not necessary for me to be there. I like to go to New York once or twice a year just to kind of show my face and stop in and, and see some of the East Coast trainers. Um, on top of just I love New York personally and, and being Saratoga or Belmont Park, I love them both. So that's one place that I'll always try to get to at least once or twice each year, but I, I take care of that on my own expense. Let's talk about your career. At what age did you know that you wanted to be involved in horse racing, and at what age were you when you took your first, carried your first book for a jock? And who was the, uh, and who was, and who was the jock? Well, the first jock that I worked for, was his name was Danny Sorensen. I don't know if you remember Danny, but he rode up at, at Long Acres do. in yes, the sir. early 80s. He did, yep. Uh, um, but I was in college at the University of Kentucky, and I hadn't really planned on um, being in the horse racing industry. Uh, and that was the year of 1998, and Real Quiet won the Kentucky Derby. And I had always enjoyed racing, but kind of from that point on, I was kind of hooked on it. And I came home from school that summer in 98, and um, my dad was an agent at the time for David Flores. Jim Pegler. And he yeah. had said something to me. I was just home for the summer from school, and um, he said, would you be interested in working for Danny Sorensen at Delmar for the summer? I said, sure, why not? I need something to you know do for the summer. And, and uh, 
that was it. I never went back to school, and uh, here I am, still working as a as a jocks agent. Yeah, and I know I know uh, you have a family of of young kids and and a wife, and and uh, when you move from Santa Anita down to Del Mar, how hard is it? <laughs> Probably not that hard because it's Del Mar with the beach. But how hard is it to pick up your family? move them down for a meet. Is it easier because it's Del Mar and there's a beach there? I, I know the kids are involved in baseball and sports. That's got to make it a little tougher for you. Yeah, so far, up to this point, it's been easy. The whole family, they love being in Del Mar and they can't wait to get here. Uh, all five of us, you know, enjoy Del Mar completely and are very sad when it's over and we got to go home back to Pasadena because we love it so much. Uh, now the kids are starting to get a little older, so I'm a little... Uh, uncharted water there how this is going to go as baseball starts getting a little more further advanced and my daughters are getting to be teenagers um but right now the delmars have all been great and it's everybody can't wait to get here and nobody wants to go home no i I don't blame you i was down for opening weekend with diane and and walked the beach a couple times and it's a place that you could spend the entire meet at and not get bored and a place that uh, the weather's great every day and the horse racing's fabulous and and the people are just different, genuine, and uh, they love they love the horse racing down there at Delmore. I don't like opening day, though. Opening day is too crazy. There's a lot of amateurs out there, and I don't mean just amateur handicappers. I mean amateur drinkers and such. So opening day is a little rough, but the rest of the meet is, is a lot of fun. Tell me uh, when, then, when you would you take the family and move back up to Santa Anita? Do you, do you stay for the whole meet, Brad, or do you go back up right before the end of the they meet? They start school at the end of August, so from that point on, I'll go up on my off days, which are Mondays and Tuesdays, and then I'll still come down. I'll leave early. I usually leave L.A. around 4 on Wednesday mornings, and then I'll be here in Del Mar by, you know, a quarter till 6. Um and then they'll still come down on the on the weekends, but uh, for the most part, yeah, we're here until till the end. Tell the fans about any horses that you know in the next few weeks that Mikey or Drayden are riding. First of all, one that they have to travel. I know. I'm talking to Mikey a few weeks ago. He said he had to go back to New York a few times this this summer. And uh, any horses that you know that they're uh, getting ready to ride and they might travel, or any big horses they're going to ride at Del Mar. Well, Mike will be going back to uh, Saratoga as of right now, which could always change. Something else could come up. But as of right now, he'll be going back on on uh, Travers Day for the personal incident to ride a, a filly named Midnight Bizu, uh, who's had a had a big year this year, winning a lot of yep. fill, uh, big race last out fillies too. and mares. Yep. Um, so she's one to really look forward to, and and. Um, She's just a, a really nice, solid filly that just keeps winning grade one after grade one. Um, Drayden, uh, he has a filly of Baffert's that he broke his maiden on, a, uh, uh, I believe it was last week. Um, immediate Impact was her name. It's a half-sister to Arrogate. And she won quite nice, and he's pretty high on that filly, so uh, it would be exciting to watch her run back here again at the uh, at the end of the Del Mar meet. Any two-year-olds you're allowed to tell us about? I know Baffert gave us a few two-year-olds a couple of weeks ago. I know John Sadler gave us a couple two-year-olds. I didn't get any out of Doug O'Neill. But uh, you got any two-year-olds that are promising that? Uh, I know Mikey's probably on a couple of live ones. Mike, uh, 
has been working a filly that's uh, by American Pharaoh and is a half sister to um, Songbird. Um, she'll be running here in a couple weeks. She's one to uh, keep an eye out on. Um, she had a pretty good little work the last two times that Mike's been on her, and, and uh, looking forward to seeing her her race coming up here. Is that for Baffert? That is for Jerry Hollander. Oh, Jerry Hollander. Okay. Well, that's yeah. a whole other story, but I don't want to get into that right now, and I'm glad to see that he's back training. It's uh, last weekend. His uh, I picked against his horse when I picked uh, Drayden on Bow Recall, so I'm pretty happy with that outcome. I'm pretty thankful that you took the time out of your busy schedule to come on today and talk some uh, inside horse racing that people don't generally hear about. They hear about the jockeys, the trainers, the horses and the owners, but they don't hear about the jocks agents. So thanks for taking the time, Brad, and educating our fans. Have a great rest of the meet, and we'll talk to you down the road. All right, Mike. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. Don't forget to look out for Fast Friday tomorrow as I give out thoroughbred picks for the upcoming weekend and the upcoming stake races. Thanks for listening. Please tweet any thoughts to Odds N ends pod.